just always so grateful to be able to gather on Christmas Eve, to be able to worship our Savior together, to be able to, to do the things that God's called us to do. Thank you, sir. Um, it's a powerful moment that we can celebrate the peace that has come on earth. And as we saw a little bit of the story of the war, World War I, that was one of the most deadly battles ever to be fought on planet Earth. Tens of millions of soldiers lost their lives. It began in the summer of 1914. Um, a summer that would be remembered for all the ages, a summer that was uh, involved every corner of the world. And the, the Christmas to follow, the, the Christmas of 1914 was a story that none will forget, uh, a story that would change the course of history if only for a day. At the time in World War I, uh, Western Front of France was filled with trenches, filled with British and French soldiers who had dug trenches and pathways for both protection and as a, a way to, to bring in new soldiers and resources to help to provide for what they need. And in places only yards up to hundreds of yards away, the German army had built trenches and ditches to, help, to do the very same thing. This, this war was intense and it was lives lost just for the, the chaos of what would ensue. It was a difficult part of time that lasted about four years. But one specific day, things changed. But one specific day in the Christmas of 1914... People crossed the barriers. You see, inside the trenches, as a layer of protection for someone coming through the land and as a layer of protection for people to not be exposed from the trenches, there were these barriers in these walls. And on Christmas of 1914, soldiers from both trenches stepped out over the barricades, over the boundaries, over the fence panels, over the trees, over the posts, over the barbed wire, and walked into an area that no man had gone before, an area so unsafe an area so life-threatening that became known as no man's land because no man could enter the area between these trenches and expect to live. Commanders ordered the construction of these panels and these barricades to serve as a boundary, as a border, something that was very visible and to be aware of. And on that Christmas day, the soldiers simply stepped over the boundary, out of the trench and into no man's land, not by orders, not by a strategic plan, not by information that was given that would lead to a different outcome, but soldiers simply laid down their weapons and sang Christmas carols in the middle of a war. They met in no man's land where they exchanged gifts and they shared food from their country where they exchanged souvenirs and even assisted each other in the burying of fallen soldiers. This unprecedented moment of Peace became known as the Christmas truce, a real-life moment, a real-time moment of peace in the most violent of all the situations known to man. In context, maybe your life isn't a war right now, but maybe there is chaos. Maybe there's confusion, there's stress. Maybe there's been arguments. Maybe the drive through the fog on the way to church this morning was nearly all you could bear, and yet in the middle of all this, on Christmas, Jesus promises peace. Maybe peace in your home. Maybe peace in your relationships. Maybe peace in your workplace. On that day, peace descended like no other. Where there had been war, where there had been fighting just hours before, peace. It's a promise that Jesus assured us would come. It's a promise that Jesus would teach us and tell us and even warn us that even though you will experience hard times. John chapter 16 and verse 33, Jesus says, I have told you all of this, the warnings, the preparations, the things to look out for. I've told you all of this, that you may have peace in me. He says, here on this earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. And he doesn't stop there. 
For so many of us, we think this life is just a, a series of trials and sorrows, of tough times, of difficult news, of poor situations and outcomes that aren't favorable. But Jesus says, but take heart because I have overcome the world. If you've lived very long at all, you know this life is filled with heartache, circumstances that don't go your direction, bad news, loss, sorrows, trials, and battles. As a follower of Jesus, we can rest assured he made no promises for an easy life. That Jesus did not say, come and follow me and I'll make your life problem free. He doesn't even promise us to be conflict free. What he does promise is in the chaos of life, in the confusion of life, in the battles of your life, in the loss and the trials and the sorrow, in all of that, you may have peace in me. Peace isn't just the absence of war or the lack of conflict. And as we think about peace in the context of our own world, sometimes we believe that peace isn't even something we could obtain, but the scriptures teach us peace is a rest like no other. It's a wholeness and a stillness. Peace is harmony and peace is unity, which means we can understand and know to be true. We don't always find peace in the absence of problems, but we will always find peace in the presence of Jesus. This beautiful moment, this peace in the middle of a war was made possible of the celebration that the Savior, Jesus, Emmanuel, had come to this world to be with us. It's an incredible story of people from different parts of the world, people with different ideals, different outlooks on life, different preferences in how they lived and what they believed to lay them all down, to lay their weapons and their differences down, and to be united in this land between the trenches, in no man's land, for an incredible moment of peace, to be united around this belief that Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, the Prince of Peace had come. You know, names are pretty incredible. Um, I don't know if you know this, but you have a unique name. It was not just random. Someone assigned it to you. And if you're a parent, if you've had kids, you know the pressure and the weight of naming your kid. Like I remember with each of our four, my wife and I spending grueling hours going down through our list of top choices. And every time there was a, no, it can't be that name because you know, he'll get made fun of in middle school. It can't be that name because I went to a middle school with a kid by that name and I don't need to relive that trauma. I mean, there's so many things you have to consider. It's one of those decisions that is gonna be lived out for the rest of your child's days. Went to school with a young man, his family's name was Case, and his parents thought it would be clever to name him Justin. So they called him Justin Case. My parents had a good friend who's older gentleman, his last name, his family name was Oder, and they called him Ivan, Ivan Oder. You can imagine middle school, hey buddy, you stink, Ivan Oder. Names are a big deal, and I would argue as big a deal as names are, we don't often think about what they mean. In scripture, names mean so much. And when Mary and Joseph find out they're gonna conceive and give birth to the Savior, they didn't have to spend any time debating upon the name. In fact, God would tell them before Mary would even conceive, you will name him Jesus. Luke chapter one, the angel Gabriel shows up to Mary and he tells her, God has found favor with you and you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. We, we read in Matthew chapter one, the same thing happened to Joseph, the birth of the Messiah. Starting in verse 18, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. He, he, as he considered this, the angel of the Lord appeared to him. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. 
All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophets, a passage spoken hundreds of years before. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. We can learn so much by the name of a person, but I would argue all day long, you can learn a lot more about a person by the nicknames that are given to that person. Um, For example, my name, my given name on my birth certificate is Lucas. But if you know me, you know me as Luke. Everyone that I know knows me as Luke. The only time I really have ever heard the word Lucas is when I was sitting in a classroom and a teacher or professor would read down through the roster for the very first time. And not really knowing me, they would always call me Lucas. Or whenever I was in trouble and my mom was chasing me, I'd hear, Lucas! Like, like, you know, if you're a younger person, you know when mom goes full name, or even worse, when mom goes middle name, Lucas Scott Smith, you run the other way. No, don't run. Don't run. Obey your parents. Go back. I forgot there's kids in the room. Go back and see what they need. Maybe it's good news. Nicknames are a big deal. Nicknames help you to understand more about a person. Nicknames reveal more about the person's character, the person's characteristics, the person's integrity and quality. Uh, we, we've got three girls in our house, and I've nicknamed all three of them. I've, I've, I've given nicknames as a very endearing term to my daughters. I've, I've given nicknames as very caring and loving and unconditionally loving father that I am to my girls. One of my daughters, I, I call her Pumpkin. She's been my pumpkin since she was born. You know, I'd, I'd sit down, I'd hold my pumpkin, and hey, hey, pumpkin, come over and sit next to dad. Let's watch a movie. Hey, pumpkin, how was school? It's an endearing term. I, one of my daughters, I call her peanut butter cup. It's always a little sweet joke we always played. And she's just a cute little gal, and I'd say, hey, how was school, peanut butter cup? How was your day, peanut butter cup? One of my girls, I call her, why are you whining again? Like, that's just her nickname. <laughs> Nicknames reveal a whole lot about a person. Jesus is still the most recognized name on planet earth. Every, every land, nearly every land knows the name of Jesus. They may not know him personally. They may not know much about him, but he's still the most recognized name on planet earth. But those of us who really know Jesus, we know him probably more so by his nicknames. Jesus has been given nicknames since the beginning of time. In fact, we can read from the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 9, that, that Jesus was given many nicknames before he was conceived, hundreds of years before he was conceived. Isaiah predicts the birth of the Savior, Isaiah chapter 9, starting in verse 6. He says, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will not end. Through Isaiah, we understand the nickname of Jesus, Wonderful Counselor. Not just that Jesus is intelligent, not just that Jesus is a good advice giver, but that he knows all things and he knows us better than we know ourselves. And when we know Jesus is Wonderful Counselor, we understand his ways are always better than my ways and his plans are more more better, his plans are, are, are better than my plans and will always play out better than my best laid plans. When we know Jesus is Wonderful Counselor, we, we can hang our hat on his counsel and our lives can hinge with his counsel. When we know him as Almighty God, we understand him to be all-powerful. And as much as I can do on my own, Jesus can do infinitely more than I can ever do. And when we understand that even as the body of believers coming together for one purpose, to work together, God can still do infinitely more than we can because he is Mighty God. And standing in our corner, cheering us on and giving us the strength to do the very thing that he put us on this planet to do is mighty God. He is everlasting Father. He is all-present and foreverlasting. He is everywhere at all times. He will never leave our side, and his love is unconditional. For the last four weeks, we've been learning to know Jesus more as the Prince of Peace. 
And the irony is that even though Jesus came as the Prince of Peace, to most people, peace seems elusive. Peace seems hard to find. Peace only lasts a moment. The first few moments before the kids get home from school, the first few moments when you wake up in the morning and then chaos ensues and conflict begins and disruptions happen and busyness occurs and we just miss out on peace. So we, we search for it and we know so many people that search for peace in so many ways. We, we, we see people that, that venture out to find peace living vicariously through their kids or through a relationship. We see people chase peace in their circumstances and, and hoping that things will work in their favor that they might find peace. We, we see people that chase after peace in a substance and looking for the substance to at least give them the illusion or the feel of peace. We see people that chase after peace in relationships and if I could just establish this relationship. If I could just have that person, then I would know peace. We search for peace with the piles of piles of stuff that we can accumulate. But we recognize that peace just doesn't last. Because the first time that relationship becomes shaky, the peace starts to fade. And when the pile of stuff that we've accumulated looks like it may start to, to shrink, the peace starts to fade. And that relationship that I was so certain, if I just found that person, Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright, if I just found them, then I could have the rest, and then I could have the quiet, and then I could have the fulfillment that would surely bring peace. But you don't have to live very long to know that those things, in the best case of scenarios, only bring the illusion of peace. Because when you start to lose them, the peace crumbles right in front of our faces. Jesus says, on this earth, you will face many trials, many sorrows, but we may have peace and the prince of peace. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, his government and its peace will never end. You know, many of us, we love Jesus as friend. We love Jesus as helper. We love Jesus as good advice giver. We love Jesus as personal savior. But Isaiah teaches us, he says, his government and its peace will never end. We love him as mighty God, an unconditional love, wonderful counselor. We love him as prince of peace, but we, we don't really love him as personal governor. Maybe a more biblical way to say it is we don't necessarily like to consider Jesus my personal king. Can I tell you, church, the only way that we will ever know the peace that Jesus offers is when I surrender all to the governance, to the leadership, to the royalty of King Jesus. For so many of us, we live in a consumeristic world and we want following Jesus to be about what can he do for me with me committing as little as I can of myself to him? But can I offer, if we're not willing to commit all of the parts of our life into our future to him, we'll never know the peace that he has to offer. Jesus, Emmanuel, God has come to be with us. The God of the universe takes on human skin and comes to his people. It wasn't that Jesus waited back until we got it perfect. It wasn't that Jesus said, I'll wait, I'll be patient until you figured life out. It's that Jesus entered into our world, walked into our mess, and he offers a promise. Even in your chaos, even in your fighting, even in your quarrel, even in the things that cause you stress and anxiety, even in all the circumstances going around you, you may have peace in the tough times. And you may walk in peace in hard circumstances. And you may hear the worst news you could ever imagine and still know a peace that surpasses all the things you understand. And you may have the chaos of raising three teenagers and know the peace of God that surrounds and protects you. You may have his peace. Not just peace that lasts a moment. Not just peace that shows up when circumstances work in your favor, but a peace that is sustained and provided by only our Savior. 
As Jesus, before he even shows up to the earth, we're promised his peace. When he arrives, we are aware of his peace. And everywhere he goes, you read in the scriptures, where he went, peace went with him. And as he prepares to leave the earth, he tells us this, John chapter 14 and verse 27. I am leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and peace of your heart. And the peace I give is a gift that the world cannot give. What an incredible gift to give. The times we search for peace, the times we try to muster up our own peace, the times we seek to find peace in so many other scenarios, and Jesus says, listen, the peace that I offer to you, not only do I promise it at the beginning of our relationship, but I look to sustain it. The God who started this peace looks to sustain this peace, that we can know it and walk in it every day of our lives, no matter what's going on around us. That Jesus came into our mess, the Prince of Peace, and never ventured away from his mission to sustain it. And while to you, maybe that sounds like no man's land. I should never go there. I can never go there. I can never get over the boundaries and out of the trench to get there. It's incredible that God, I believe, puts together this this plan that he reveals to us. If you wanna remain in the peace that I offer. Jesus doesn't say you will have it. He says you may have it, which means there's a condition to it. And if I get into the trench, if I get outside of the boundary that God puts in place, then I get out of the bounds of the peace that God would have to offer. You see, but when we stay inside the trenches and we stay inside the boundaries, when we stay inside this land where Jesus showed up to meet the soldiers that day where they found their peace, we understand that peace isn't the result of a circumstance. Peace isn't the result of a reward or a relationship with any other human being, but that peace is a person who came to earth. God came to us. And because Jesus gave his life for you and me, we can stand in the land of peace that no one else can offer. God puts these boundaries in place and he says, if you remain inside, just inside this trench, inside this boundary of God is good. And if you remain just inside this trench and this boundary of God is sovereign, you will know my peace. God, I trust you and I know that you are good. And when I trust God and know that he is good, I can be in his peace. Yeah, but when circumstances happen and they don't feel so good in the moment, but I still trust that God is good. And I know that I can't see the future, but I trust that God has a plan and place for this and that God works all things together for the good of those who trust him. God, I trust you and I remain in your peace. Or over here, God, I know that you are God and you know all things and you know the future and I trust that you hold my future. So God, I remain inside the boundaries you have placed of God, you are good and God, you are sovereign. And I can live in his peace even in the tough circumstances. And I can remain in his peace even when life doesn't go the direction I thought it should. And you know what it's like, you know where the peace is found and you know where the peace is left behind when we step outside the boundary and we get down into the trench. God, you said you were good, but this doesn't feel so good. God, you said you work things together for good, but right now I don't see it and I don't see how it could ever be good. And there's no peace there. Or on the other side, God, I wanna be the one in control. God, this isn't happening as fast as I wanted it to. God, this isn't happening the way I thought it should. God, this isn't happening how I think that you should do it. I think I could probably do it better. And there's no peace over in this trench either. Jesus came to meet us in the middle, in between God, you are good, and God, you are sovereign. God, I know that you work all things together for good, and God, I trust that you hold the future for each one of us. And when I remain in the middle, when I submit to the governance of Jesus, I submit my life to you. I don't see the future, God, but I trust you with it. I don't know how good comes out of this, but I know that you can do it. And he makes this incredible promise. When you submit to King Jesus, the governance of Jesus, Philippians chapter four, starting in verse six, this is what he says. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. 
Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. It's a simple prayer. God, you are good. God, I may not see the good that comes out of this, but I trust that you are good and good will come. God, I know that you work all things together for the good that you have called and the will you've put in place. And God, I thank you for it. God, I don't know the future, but I trust that you know the future. And God, you are sovereign and you know the plans and you know the purposes of my life, so I submit my life and my plans to you. God, I'm grateful for all you've done. And God, I'm thankful for who you are. And God, you are good and God, you are sovereign. He continues on, verse seven. Then, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. You know, there was a branch of one of these trenches that we didn't talk about earlier in the story. There's a branch where there was a group of people who didn't really believe what was happening. They heard the commotion, they heard the Christmas carols, they heard the chaos, and they didn't even hear the shots being fired, and they were confused, and they were alarmed, but so insecure of where they were that they refused to stand up and see. They stayed where they thought life was as good as it gets, right where they were. Take a look at this. Later on in the night, there was a great deal of commotion going on in the German front line, which was about 100, 150 yards away, I suppose. And after a few moments, there were lighted objects raised above the German parapet, looking like Chinese lantern stars. The Germans were shouting over to our trench. There's no doubt about that at all. And before we could take any action or do anything, we were ordered to open rapid fire, you see, which we did. The Germans did not reply to our rapid fire. They simply carried on with their celebrations, ignored us completely, and were having a, a very fine time indeed. We never did anything else but simply continue in our uh, wet trenches, trying to make the most of the bad job. They continued in their wet trenches, trying to make the best of a bad job, the best of a bad situation, the best of bad news. Well, this is as good as it's gonna get. This is just the life I have to deal with. This is just the loneliness I'll have to endure. But what would it be like to have people firing rapid shots at you and you were so overwhelmed by the peace of our savior that they didn't even notice? that we didn't even acknowledge. People shot, fired shots and we, we sat in no man's land under the peace because Jesus has come. So church, the question I have for you is where are you today? Are you in a trench and, and you're not willing to be vulnerable? I don't know if we can trust what's happening. I heard the chaos, I heard the noise, I heard the Christmas carols, but I'm not even certain peace can be real. I'm not even certain in the chaos of my life and the circumstances that I've just heard about. Can I just offer you this, that Jesus has come and he has made a way that we can know the God of the universe and receive the peace that he has offered. Peace is not found in the absence of problems. Peace is found in the presence of Jesus. Emmanuel, God has come to us. The Prince of Peace is here. Not for a season of peace, not for a moment of peace, not for a day in the middle of the war, but a peace to sustain us for all 
of eternity. Emmanuel, God is with us. And he came today to pull you out of your trench, to come to know him and to live in his peace. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we are grateful. God, we're grateful for the sacrifice that you made for each one of us, that you would send your perfect son into a broken world to give his life that we might be saved and that we could know your peace. God, as we celebrate Christmas, as we celebrate the joy of gift giving and receiving, let us not forget the most important gift that we can receive and continue to use. The life, the love, and the peace that only you can give. God, we're so grateful for your sacrifice, that you loved us so much, that Jesus came to us. Jesus, we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen.